that Christianity is much like an all-you-can-eat buffet, and a good one with lots and lots of food. Next picture, just showing that there's an abundance of food um, and lots and lots of good dishes. This is the China One buffet if you want to talk your parents into going there after church. Um, but as much as God has so many great things in store for us, we find out that so many Christians don't take advantage of it. So many Christians come back to the table when there's a buffet of all this, they come back to a table with a plate of rice. And God goes, I have so much more. Um, you put up the picture of a bit more. And going, this was all available and all included at the same price. And if you go in, you go up, and you come down with a plate of rice instead of all of this, it's your own fault. And so we said we want to know what's up there, and we want to take advantage of everything that God has for us. So far, we've learned that up on the table, God has salvation, forgiveness, identity, that there's that will produce fruit in, when abiding in him. And just this morning, I want to talk about promises. God makes a lot of promises in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For all the promises of God in him, this is in Christ, are yes, and in him, once again, referring to Christ, amen, to the glory of God through us. It says that God made all of these promises. It says, if you are in Christ, all of these promises are available to you because these promises are all for those in Christ. It goes, if you take advantage of these promises that are available in Christ, it's to God's glory through you. You go, that means what? It means that when you take advantage of it and people see the blessings of God in your life, it gives God honor. Does anyone ever try cooking? Anyone ever cook or tried cooking? Failed at cooking? Okay. Um, we'll actually take your hands down. I have done all of the above. I have cooked. I have failed at cooking. I have done all of it. But one of the things that I discovered is that when you make something normally, the goal is for it to turn out good. Unless you're trying to get out of cooking for life, in which case you might try to mess it up. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. Um, you didn't get that idea from me. But when, when you do this and you're like, all right, I'm going to cook and I'm going to cook something that's going to be amazing and you cook it and you're hoping it's good. When you watch someone take a bite of it, whether it's a nice juicy steak or a hot warm cookie or whatever it is that you cooked, if they take a bite and they're like, mm, like your heart like sinks. Like, oh, I really wanted it to be good. But when they take a bite and you watch them just, mm, that's really good. It, like, it makes you happy inside because you're like, I succeeded. Why? Well, because my cookie, like, tastes the way it was supposed to. Like, when I see that what I did turned out the way that I wanted it to, it honors me, the creator of the cookie or the griller of the steak or whatever it may be. When, as believers, we live the life that God intends for us, it gives honor to God who made it possible. And God goes, yep, that's right. I'm the one that blessed them. Yes, their life is different, and that's because they're following me, and in Christ, I have all these blessings. And it says that it honors him when this happens. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay, so he goes, Every single blessing that heaven has to offer is available to us in Christ. 
And I got thinking about this, and I got really excited as I was, as I was making my notes. I got thinking, going, do you think that God has anything good? I'm like, yeah, I bet God's got something good. And do you think if God was going to bless one person in all of time, who would receive these blessings? And I got thinking, and you're like, you know, who's great? You're like, Mother Teresa was really good. I definitely wouldn't qualify. Mother Teresa was pretty good. You know, maybe Paul. You're like, no, no, scratch that. Come on, go back to Sunday school. Jesus. Like, that's like the, the answer to all the questions in Sunday school. It's either Jesus or the devil. Like, Jesus, who, who loves you? Jesus, who causes problems? Devil. And so uh, like you had to learn your Sunday school answers. But as I look at this going, well, if God was going to bless one, who would he bless Obviously, it would be Jesus because Jesus was perfect. But then he goes on and says that everything that Jesus has to offer is now made available to me. In John chapter 16, verse 14, it says, He will glorify me, talking about the Holy Spirit that he's going to send. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus says, everything that God has to offer is available to me, and I'm making everything that I have available to you. He goes, in Christ, every blessing that God has to offer is available to us. I'm like, this is awesome. A promise that he's making is a, I just looked up promise off Google. It's like, Google, define promise. Google define promise, a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or, or that a particular thing will happen. It's like, ooh, how enlightening. So I was like, well, he's declaring a thing. He's making assurance that these things are an offer available to us. And so I wrote out a list of a few of the promises that are available. Um, if you're taking notes, write down, check Facebook. Um, because I posted this on the ground floor Facebook and on my Facebook. And there's no, if you can keep up with me as I go through this list, you're incredible and deserve an award. All right. So on this list of promises that God offers us is sweet sleep. It's healing Recovery, the Holy Spirit, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that no open form against you shall prosper, that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that there's a life to come, that he will answer when you call, that God will supply every need of the giver, that there are wisdom for those who ask, answered prayers, strength, protection, that God will be your guard, that he will be your rock, your refuge, that he'll protect you and carry you all the days of your life, that he'll restore you, refresh you, that you will reap a harvest if you don't give up, that... Um, He'll work all things for good, no matter what has happened to you, that he'll give you strength, rest, teach you, that you have a new life hidden in Christ, that he'll heal your broken heart, mend your wounds, that he'll guide you, give you peace, forgiveness, redeem you, that he'll be a father to those that are fatherless, that are broken, that are hurting, that he's returning, that he's coming back, and that there is salvation for all who call, to name a few. Um, and most of those are available on the Facebook. I just added like three or four of them to it. So if you can't find one, let me know. Say, you said that there was forgiveness available, that there was redemption. If you need the verses, I can give them to you. But I was, I was looking at this list, and the list goes on and on. I picked 28 out of a page of 102 that I had printed out in front of me, and that was not an all-inclusive list by any means. Um, and, I, and I got looking at this going, that's a lot of promises, how do I see these promises begin to come to pass in my life? And there are different types of promises. Um, 
a bunch of them are conditional. And I'll explain a conditional promise in very simple terms. I have a three-year-old. Um, he loves granola bars. Okay, both my boys, they love granola bars. They love, like you got to understand, they love granola bars. Um, and they've decided, they, they declare a Nutri-Grain bar, a Power bar, or a um, protein bar. They all, Cliff bars, those are all granola bars to them. Tell them there's a difference. They will look at you and think you're crazy and you are an alien. And so they, they frequently ask for them. Now, if I tell Benaya, when we get to church, run into my office, and there's a granola bar on my desk for you. Benaya's going to be like, really? Really? Yeah. And he's going to be all excited. What's going to happen if he gets to church and just runs straight to the ground floor? And goes, Dad, thought you said you had a granola bar. And he wouldn't say it quite like that, mostly because his voice is, Dad! <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> perks of being three. So, um, you, you, you'd sit here, and, and he'd, so if he was, you'd look at him, and you'd like, well, I told you, I have a granola bar for you on my desk. Now, what would honestly happen is as soon as he ran into the door, he'd be pounding on the office door going, Kendra, let me in. He'd be pounding, wanting Kendra to buzz him in because he knows that she buzzes people in. So he'd be pounding, and he's not tall enough to see through the window to see if she's actually there. So he'd be sitting here pounding until someone let him in, and he would make it straight to my desk to grab the granola bar. What they, they normally do is there's we have a free-for-all table in our office um, where we'll stick whatever... If you bring in a treat, you set it there. If you have leftovers from, like, something, the event that we do, that we have granola bars or something, we'll set them there. So my boys, whenever they come in, their first stop is right there because they know that's where it's available. Now, if in order to receive the promise, you have to follow the instructions that go with it. If you want the granola bar on the desk, you have to go to the desk. If you go the other way, what do you get? Nothing. Whose fault is it? Yours, because you didn't follow the instructions. A lot of these promises have very simple instructions. Um, it says, um, Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's the condition? Call. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you can meet this condition, you can, be, you can receive the promise of being saved. What happens if you fail to meet the first the only condition that he listed, then you fail to receive the promise available. It goes on, and, and we have a promise that says, lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mark chapter 16, verse 18. It's at the tail end of verse 18. So he says that there's this, this thing. A lot of times it's very easy for us to go, well, I'm a Christian, so how come they're sick? Well, what was the promise? Yeah, the, problem, the Bible says that we'll lay our hands on the sick and that they'll recover. Did you pray for them? Um, and a lot of times, the reason that we don't receive the promise is we don't walk through our side of the condition, which is to lay your hands on them, to pray for the sick. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end, James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Two conditions. 
What were the two conditions? Submit to God, resist the devil. Pretty simple. In this last month, I have talked to, I've um, had a few students come up to me who are struggling with demonic oppression. Um, some, it was like just, uh, I've, I've dealt with a lot of night terrors, um, fears, irrational fears, dealt with like creepy stuff where like their voice changes and things, um, and they claw things and that kind of stuff. Um, all sorts of different different issues. And what's what's crazy as you look at a lot of them and you're like, do you want to be free? Which is the first question. When somebody tells me that, hey, I'm dealing with some kind of demonic stuff, whether it's, hey, fear, whether it's, hey, something tries to choke me at night, whether it's, hey, there's this oppression, this heavy thing that comes on me, whether it's, hey, um, there's these voices and they speak to me and tell me awful things, or, hey, you know what, I'm... Um, yeah, I've had lots of different conversations. My first question, do you want to be free? Because if you don't want to be free, there's not much I can do for you. Like, yeah, yeah, I want to be free. Said, All right. If we're going to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee, let's look at what does it look like to submit to God. Because he says, the Bible tells us that there's several things that we can do that open up a door for the devil. So let's go and check and make sure you've shut the door. And almost every time, it does not take me very long. Normally, it's the first one. So, all right, is there unforgiveness in you? As the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Have you given place to the devil through unforgiveness? Nine times out of ten, they'll look at me and say yes. So, all right, you can be free, but first, you're going to have to forgive. Are you willing to forgive? And a lot of times they stop and think about it for a while. Because they're holding this open going, I want what God has for me, but I don't know if I want to do what God said it's going to take. And sometimes I've had them go on past that one, and we've gone through forgiving people, and we discovered they were involved in witchcraft or rebellion are opening the door up through through horror films and different things. You go through going, look, the Bible says that fear comes from the devil. You're opening up yourself to it. Do you want to be free? Because if you'll submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. And the cool thing is it's not this like crazy, I am the pastor. I will command this thing, and just because I'm a pastor, it will obey me. Normally, and I, I freaked him out with this the other day. They're like, you know, they're like, I have this demon problem, da-da-da-da. And we started going through this list, and I said, all right, and as we come into the end, you're going to cast it out of you. <gasps> what? You're going to cast it out of you. <gasps> and they, like, started to, like, freak out. I'm like, it's going to be okay. But that's scary. I don't know. It's just not about me. It's not about me and being like, I have big spiritual guns. Like, no, it's not. That'd be no, this is just not the way it works. Like, all right, what is this all about? He said, All right, well, this is about Jesus. I'm not Jesus, and you're not Jesus. They're like, Yep, yep, I can understand you're not Jesus. You're like, You sure? Yes, I'm not Jesus. Okay, done. So, if neither of us are Jesus and it's coming by Jesus' authority, then either of us can come to Jesus if we're in Christ 
and operate in the authority that he gives us, standing on his word, on his promise, and command it to go in Jesus' name. And if you do it, then you don't need me anymore because a week from now, when it tries to come back, when it tries, when there's an open door and you look at it and you go, do I close the door? What do I do? If it's all about me, then you're like, oh no, I'm stuck with this until I can see Pastor Daniel again, which would be bad. You're like, don't do that. Sit here and go, I have what it takes because it's not about Pastor Daniel. It's not about a pastor or anything. It's about in Christ, I have his authority and I can stand up and rebuke it and be free. And I've watched them rebuke it and be free and go, I can feel a difference. Depending on the situation, some of them feel it right away. Some of them, it takes, um, it takes time. And they come to me the next day going, I slept for the first time in years. I slept the whole night and didn't wake up screaming. I am free. Um, and it's a, it's a very simple but amazing thing. It's a promise that's available to us. And for some of the promises, it is, it's, it's a condition. Some of them are really simple. I have a wallet. Wallets are nice things to have. Do you know what this is? Brilliant. Some of you guys are really smart. Some of you are still sleeping. All right, so this is a check. This check is worth $65. Now, how much good does this piece of paper do in my wallet? The only good it does is that I don't lose it as long as it's in my wallet. <laughs> as long as I don't lose my wallet. But... I'm normally pretty good about that. So this check, it's available to me. The writer of the check, by writing my name on it, the dollar amount, and signing their name, said this is available to you. In order for me to benefit from it, what do I have to do? Cash it or deposit it? Either way, this becomes available. But as long as I just carry it, it is a very expensive piece of paper and people really don't want to trade me for it because it has my name on it, not theirs. And sure, I could probably try to sign it over, but sometimes the bank will give them grief anyways. And so, they look. Some of the promises are much like a check. They're written to you. They're for you. But you simply have to lay claim to them and cash them. Um, Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree this is a really really cool promise sounds kind of weird and kind of creepy you're like well, he became cursed what? who cursed why they curse what's going on um when mankind sinned, death entered the world. Pain entered the world. All these different things came as a result and the curse of sin. And Jesus became accursed for us by hanging on a tree. And so as I was, as I was looking at this, the, the rubber hit the road. I don't remember, my dates aren't very well time-stamped. I don't remember how old Benaiah was when he started eating. My three-year-old now. 
Um, I love peanut butter. Does anyone love peanut butter? Okay. Those of you who don't love peanut butter, you're a mutant. But uh, no, we, we still love you because you make peanut butter cheaper for the rest of us. But um, I, I, I love my peanut butter. And so we eat lots of peanut butter and we, we do a lot of French toast, or do a little bit of French toast. We do a lot of pancakes at our house and you got to put peanut butter on it because that's the way to go. And Benaya started eating some of it with peanut butter and all of a sudden there was these red blotches and things that started to come out all around his mouth and kind of swell up. And then it's like, they're like, oh, that's what we call a peanut allergy. You're like, no. <laughs> this is not supposed to happen. This is a curse from Satan. And so, um, not in that strange, crazy voice, but literally it kind of is. It's a curse from sin that entered the world. Not a curse from Benaiah's sin. It's not like my three-year-old had achieved. What'd you do? I committed the peanut sin. Yep. Got stuck with the peanut allergy for that one. Stink. Like, no. But as a human living in the world of earth, because mankind's sin gave dominion over to the devil, sin came in and it began to produce death, decay, and destruction in our world. And it began to affect my son. And so we begin to pray going, all right, look, the Bible says in Galatians that Jesus became a curse for us. So if he already paid the full price, why am I sitting here with rice and with no peanut butter chicken on my plate? And so we begin to pray for Benaiah. And I begin to go over the promise with Benaiah. And for a few weeks, we were very careful to keep all peanut butter away from him. And finally, like, it wasn't so bad that, like, I opened the jar and, like, three rooms away, he'd like, ah, that'd be bad. But no, um... It, it, it was just, if he went to eat it, if it touched him, things would start to turn red and it wasn't good. And this is, this is not right. Jesus redeemed us from this. We are going to stand on this promise. And so we begin to pray. And I begin to go over this with him. And finally, after a few weeks, um, this has been going on. And we've been praying and praying. We've been keeping stuff from him. Finally, I looked at him one morning and I said, Benaiah, who's been redeemed? I've been redeemed. That's right. Have some peanut butter. <laughs> so I gave him. Gave him some pancake with peanut butter on it with no ill effect. And he was fine. He ate peanut butter for like a week or two. And then he started to eat it. And there just got to be a little red thing. And I just looked at it and said, I can't bind you and I command you to leave. Benaiah has been redeemed. That's good. who's been redeemed? I've been redeemed. That's right. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Because Jesus took your place. And since then, he has had no problems and eats peanut butter on his pancakes almost every day and likes PBJs and enjoys the divine substance of peanut butter. Um, but this was a promise that was made available. And the, 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 the receiving of this promise wasn't even so much a condition. It doesn't so much say, sit here and say, in order to receive this promise, you must lay your, it doesn't say lay your hands on them. It just says that he took our place. This check was just made available to me and had been sitting in my wallet. And when I saw that, I was like, wait a second, what am I doing with this check in my wallet? By golly, I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And so I begin to speak that and we begin to stand on that and we begin to see that in his life. And I watched and I said, you know what, that's, that's true for Benaiah, but you know what, that's, that's true for me too. I, I haven't had a peanut allergy, which is good because I love the stuff. We already talked about that. But has anyone ever heard of poison ivy? Anyone ever heard of poison ivy? Okay, the rest of you must be city folk. Um, you're like, I went outside once. There was wind. It was scary. Um, like uh, poison ivy, for those who don't know, it's a plant. It grows all over, uninvited. And if it touches you, 
Um, there are these people who are immune to it. We call them blessed of the Lord and highly favored. Um, for the rest of mankind, you touch it, and these bumps appear on your body, and they itch. And then they itch more. And when you scratch them, it feels good for, like, while you're scratching it. And then as soon as you stop, it itches more. And apparently as you scratch it, it makes it harder for it to heal. And so they keep going and they keep itching and itching and itching. And it it's not good. And so I, I discovered that I got this almost every year of my life that I could remember, except for two years because I was out of the country. And so, and they didn't have it in Australia. But um, as I, as I, as I lived with this, I discovered that someone prayed for me one time and I watched poison ivy go away and I realized that was the only thing that ever seemed to actually help with poison ivy was prayer. And one day I kind of, I went back in this verse and I said, wait, hey, wait a second, where is the curse of the law that it talks about here? Because I think this is part of the curse. This is a result of sin. In fact, I think this is specifically part of the curse of the law. So I looked in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28 goes through uh, a bunch of blessings in the first, I don't know, 15 to 18 verses. And then it goes through and just lists curses for those that break the law that go on for like ever. And as you go on through this like never-ending list of curses, there's one that says the itch. Like, God, that's poison ivy. It makes you itch. And I'm like, Jesus said that he redeemed me from the curse. And what was crazy is I begin to stand on this. And I begin to stand going, all right, I have been redeemed from the curse. Poison ivy has no place in my life. And I begin to curse the poison ivy on my property. It says, the Bible said that I'll do what he did and greater things. He cursed a fig tree and it sh- dried up, shriveled up, and never gave figs to anyone again. So I'm like, by golly, I'm going to curse the poison ivy. And it's never going to cause anyone to itch again. And so I'm like walking around my property and I'm cursing this stuff. And last year, people think I'm weird. It's true. So um, last year, I forget what I was doing. I was chasing something and I was wearing flip-flops. And I ran through it, and I was like, hmm. That's a lot of poison ivy. <laughs> I've been redeemed. I'm going to go over that verse. That, uh, that week, I got one bump. It's like, ha, sucker. I've been redeemed. Because when I used to get it, it wasn't like one bump. I'd have a section. You could see wherever anything touched me it would be like four to five layers thick. So it'd literally stick off my skin a quarter inch. The length of whatever it was that touched me. And then from there, there'd be random stuff that would just spread out across my body. And it was very, very bad. And I, so I, as I began to pray this, it, I still got it some, but like just a little bit. When I used to get it, layers and layers thick. So I got it on my stomach one time, and the one side of my stomach, because it was stronger on this side than the other, literally swelled up an inch. And it was a section about like that. And that was just red. And then there was just all these bumps and it was just all swollen and itched like crazy. And, uh, sorry, vexating memory there. Um, but I began to watch and then I had a conversation with somebody because you could sit here and go, well, no, that's just a really good lucky you growing an immunity to it. Um, so I was talking to a friend who's going to be a pharmacist and studies how things work. She was, the other, the other day had explained the whole, like, process of becoming immune to chicken pox. This is kind of weird. And uh, so I asked her, I'm like, hey, how does poison ivy work? 
And she's like, oh. And like, it's one of those things where you ask them a question, they're excited because they actually know the answer. And so she starts going into this long science thing that I don't remember much of. But what I do remember, in the natural, if you get poison ivy, every time you encounter it, it will get worse. And I smiled. Because mine has gotten less and less. And I have probably had poison ivy all year this year. But barely. I have tromped through it. I have weed whacked it. I have got it. Like, the number of things, there's just there's a bunch of it around my property, and I'm like, you know what? I'm redeemed. I'm going to live life, and wherever it is, too bad for it. And I, will, I am redeemed. And I have watched... And I had some people pray because I had a couple of bumps as we went on the Dominican trip. And I had a little spot on my foot that was really annoying. Um, but I sat here and watched as in the natural, this gets worse and worse and worse. And I said, you know what? No, there's a promise for me. I'm going to stand on God's promise. And I'm going to begin to receive what he has for me. And you have to understand that sometimes your initial um, experience may be different than what you're believing for. When I got a couple of bumps of poison ivy, that was not what I was believing. I was believing for it to be totally, completely gone. But I can stand on God's word, or I can give up. There was, there's a story. You can find it in Matthew 17. Jesus is up on a mountain, and he's praying. We have what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Cool story. But as Jesus comes down, we find his disciples and a large crowd. And there's this guy that's freaking out as Jesus comes down. He's like, hey, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. He has epilepsy. He's an epileptic. Okay, there you go. I said it. And uh, we won't repeat it. And uh, so says he has seizures and often tries to kill him and throw him down into fires and water and different things. And I brought him to your disciples so that they could heal him. And by this time, they'd already been commissioned to go out and to, to pray for the sick and to see them healed. And he goes, they prayed for him and nothing happened. And I thought about this going, all right, what did his experience just tell him? His experience just said, there's no hope for your son. There's no healing for your son. There's healing for others, but not for you. And experiences will tell you things, but God's word says otherwise. Even in the Old Testament, he says, I am the Lord God who heals you. And this man came up to Jesus and he said, you know what, this is what they did. This is what my experience has been, but I believe. He, got, he asked God, and Jesus said, do you believe? And he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Like, all right, you just called yourself out on it. But Jesus turns and prays for the boy, and the boy was healed. And I looked at this and said, what does that tell me? It tells me that sometimes my experiences lie. That just because I don't see the healing right away doesn't mean that God doesn't want him healed. Because if God didn't want him healed, Jesus wouldn't have been healing him. God obviously wanted him healed. Then why didn't he get healed when the disciples prayed for him? And some of you guys are going, I know, because I've read the rest of the story. Good for you. So, uh, 
In this case in particular, Jesus, the disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, why didn't it work when we prayed? And he goes, ye of little faith. If only you had faith of a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain to move and it would move. And <clears throat> this kind of messed with my head. I don't know if you ever read a verse that messes with your head. Do you realize that if they were asking, the way that they asked, hey, why didn't it work for us? They seemed to be somewhat surprised by the fact that it didn't work for them. So they had at least some kind of an expectation or some kind of a hope that the boy would get better when they prayed. So what were they missing? What was the difference between what they had and the faith that Jesus was talking about? I'm not exactly sure. And I could, I, could, I could launch into a thought on the difference between a general hope and a possible expectation and a confident assurance that something will come to pass. But I, I don't always know. And I could go through the Old Testament, and I don't have enough time to walk you through all these different stories where Elijah and Elisha both prayed for a dead boy. And eventually they raised the boy from the dead, but the boy didn't raise from dead the first time that they prayed for him. Which is kind of freak. How many times did you pray for a dead kid before you were like, he's dead? Like the one spot it says he prayed for him and then he lays on the kid until the kid gets warm. How long does it take you to warm up a spot when you lay down? How long would you pray? He warms his kid up and then he gets back up and the kid's still dead. I'd be like, oh, I feel like an idiot. Awkward moments. I just laid on a dead kid for 20 minutes. <laughs> really? Pardon me, Mom. I, I'm going to go pray for your boy. What are you going to do? He's dead. I'm going to lay on him. Just sick and twisted. It's going to get better. Pray, 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 pray. He's still dead. That's at that point where I'd probably go crying and running home. But what did the prophet do? Got up, walked, prayed, turned back, walked back around, laid back on him, prayed for him again. Boy sneed seven times and then got up. Like, that's cool. The other one did it three times. How many times did you do it? And I realize that sometimes the, the, the reason that I don't receive the promise is me. And there are sometimes I don't receive the promise, and I don't know why. And it frustrates me. But I know that the promise is available, and I know that God wants it. And I know that it's his will because he promised it. He don't promise things you don't want. Because he's smarter than me. Occasionally I say things and then go, why did I say that? But Jesus doesn't do that. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. And I could go on, and I'm skipping lots of notes. And there's a lot of promises. I don't have time to go into 152 promises that God has for you because that would be a very, very, very long sermon. And we're already in a never-ending series, so I don't want to start a never-ending series inside of a never-ending series. That would be not good. So I want to leave you with this. God has a lot of promises, and they're available to you. Some of them have conditions. Some of them just take standing in faith. And you have a promise so that you can stand in faith. You cannot stand confidently assured of what is coming if it has not been promised first to you. And if you're going through something and you need a promise, um, 
you can check. Maybe I listed it, and you're like, all right, I, I attached the verses, a bunch of verses to the promises that I listed. I didn't attach every single verse that mentions it. I attached a few. You can come to me. I'll try to give you some. But I want you to realize that there are promises available to you. And if you don't know Jesus, because these promises are available in Christ Jesus, I want to give you a chance because he promised that whoever calls on his name will be saved. And I want to give you a chance to call on his name to receive his salvation because one of the promises that I didn't really get to get into that's coming whether you like it or not, whether you stand in faith or not, he said he's coming back. And he's going to come back like a thief in the night without warning. And that's a promise. And if you want to be ready and you're not, now is your chance to act based on his promises. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If that's you, say, I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want to receive that promise. I want to know that I am forgiven and that I'm right with God and I'm way to heaven, that I'm ready for his return. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, get ready. Two, this is your chance. Three, raise up your hands nice and high. That's me. That's me. I want to make God the Lord of my life. Awesome. God, I thank you for your promises that fill your word that are available to each of us. And I ask that you would open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your word, the hope of your glory, the greatness of our inheritance, that we could stand on these promises and that we could see them come to pass, that you could be honored and glorified as we begin to walk in all that you have for us, that we could walk in the healing, in the forgiveness, and in the miracles that you've planned out for us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight, do not forget about the beach party. It is going to be a blast. Look forward to seeing you there, you guys.